welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We've been in a series called The Best Summer Ever. Without any sort of like pressure or expectations for us associated with us with this like it's time to have fun now it's time to have the best summer ever like don't feel that but we're looking at together in God's word what it looks like to have the best summer ever we've got this clip uh queued up and I this was really encouraging to me uh this week I thought it would be encouraging for you check this out Thank you. There's the sermon. We can go home. Right? (laughs) Just says it. Just super encouraging to me this week. Um, And I don't know why. I think that there's just something of the Holy Spirit in that for us this morning. That God would want to be speaking and singing that thought over us this morning. What does it mean to be authentically you? living authentically you this summer, if we're to have the best summer ever, it certainly would include living authentically you. Being authentic, being real, being transparent is of paramount value in our culture today, simply because it's so difficult to find. We hear in different spheres, there's a longing for authenticity Whether it's Kendrick Lamar telling us that he's sick and tired of the Photoshop, he just wants something real, or it's politicians fighting back and forth about who's truer to what they say and what they actually believe. There's a longing. You see how we did that? We went from Mr. Rogers to Kendrick Lamar. (laughs) For those of you who don't know who Kendrick Lamar is, okay, um... (laughs) But there's this desire to be authentic, to be real, to be transparent in all that we say and all that we do. So we're going to get at that this morning. What does it mean to be real? Pinocchio longed to be a, a real boy. The Velveteen Rabbit desired to be a real life rabbit. And God has placed in us this desire or this longing to be authentic, to live authentically before God. But what does that 
look like to live authentically before God and before others? Well, first, if we're going to scratch out what it looks like, we need to understand the issue. We need to understand the issue. And the issue is, is that we're really good at faking it. I'm really good at being a poser. I'm really good at thinking or believing right things, but then not actually doing those things. I'm really good at saying the right things. I'm not, not so often, I guess, if, I were, if we were honest with one another, we would say that we're really good at faking it. We know how to answer somebody when they ask how we're doing. What do we say? Doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing just fine this morning. But that's not the truth, is it? We're either curbing our enthusiasm because we're going through some sort of celebration or joy, but we feel like we have to downplay our enthusiasm, or, or we're going through some kind of trial or struggle, but we feel like the other, we can't be vulnerable with the other person, so we just say, I'm doing fine. The issue at hand is that we're really good at faking it. I'm reading this wonderful book right now. It's called Everybody Always. It's by Bob Goff. Um, If there's one book that you want to take on your summer vacation and read, or there's one book this summer that I would suggest that you read, it's this book, Everybody Always. Guys, you, if you don't want to cry, don't read it, because you'll be in tears by the third chapter, I promise you. Just a wonderful storyteller. And he tells a story in the book about this wax museum. And in the story, he's in Washington, D.C., And he's in Washington, D.C. for meetings, and so he's all dressed up in a suit and tie, and he's got his, like, gray whiskers and combed-over hair. He's looking really dapper, and he invites his kids. uh, At that time, they were little, uh, for a break in in the action. And so during lunch one day in Washington, D.C., they go to the Wax Museum. Have you been to a Wax Museum before? It's where dead people go to live forever. It's where bees go to retire uh-huh. So, <laughs> that one bombed. <laughs> so, so at this wax museum, uh, you'll see people like Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, etc. So what Bob Goff does when he goes into this wax museum is he stands in between like Abraham Lincoln and another guy or something, and he stands as still as he can, and his kids are like, Dad, Daddy, act your age. And he says, I am, you know. And so they run to the back of the room, and while he's standing there just motionless, these two little old ladies walk into the room. And they walk right up to Bob Goff, and he's standing, you know, he's a lawyer, so he knows how to stand real still. Again, um, and you know, one of the one of the old ladies even like takes her finger and licks it, and like touches touches his cheek, and gosh, so lifelike, and all the time he's not blinking, he's just standing there, and then they move on, and as they're moving on, one of the little old ladies looks back at him, and he mouths to her the words, "I'm real," and she. <laughs> And she just about <laughs> drops her purse and, and <laughs> runs out. And the kids are, are hightailing it by that time. But 
what, what he said he learned from that day is that he's really good at faking it. We're really good at faking it. I'm really good at saying I believe one thing and doing something else. I'm really good at presenting an image of how I perceive myself to be and how I actually am. I'm naturally enthusiastic in who, in who I am. So I think, I think everything, and in my good days, in my good days, I think everything and everyone, including myself, are amazing. Everything's amazing. But that's not always reality, is it? That's not always the truth. People who are becoming loved stop faking it about who they are and where they are in life and faith. And we're going to look at a story together in Scripture. If you wanted to turn or swipe there with me, we're going to be in the New Testament in Acts. And this is the formation of the early church. So things are popping, things are happening. Jesus has ascended and um, the apostles together with the local church, meeting from home to home, breaking bread together, worshiping in the temple with glad and sincere hearts. The Lord is adding to their number daily. And here we read this little story about Ananias and Sapphira. And we're going to read it from chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And we read this. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Have you not lied to men, but also to God? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. More on that in a minute. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Oh, man. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about, all who heard about these events. Okay, believing we've arrived at a place we haven't yet. What is happening here is that Ananias and Sapphira believe they had arrived at a place they had not yet. Now, the goal of this talk this morning is not to say that God will strike you dead if you are a poser. Can we all, can we all hear that? God is not going to strike you down for, it, for being inauthentic. That is the goal. 
But rather, in this story, what we see in Ananias is that he's believing that he's arrived someplace he hasn't yet. It doesn't matter what our faith looks like, it matters what it is. It doesn't matter what it looks like, it matters what it is. And that's what today is all about. That we can drop the Instagram filter. We don't have to pretend we're someone we are not. Or not yet, Jesus created us for himself. And he sees right through all of the filters and edits and veneers and facades that we try to place in between him and us. And he loves us right where we are. And that's why authentic living before God matters so much. Because love is on the line. Love is on the line. Do you want to do something amazing for God? Like the most amazing thing that you could do for God, if you just thought about that this morning. You don't, you don't, doing something amazing for God, if you want to do one amazing thing for God, you don't have to go on 50 mission trips around the globe, feed all of the poor and homeless in Cleveland. If you could do one amazing thing for God, it would be to trade, to trade the appearance of being close to God for the power of actually being close to God. That would be amazing. That would light up God's heart and, as a byproduct, change the community around you. God doesn't need one more person doing things for him, trying to help him across the street like a little old lady. What he loves, what he delights in is, is when you are acting in who he's created you uniquely, precisely to be. Not showing the Instagram filter of who you wish you could be. Not living in the past of who you used to be. But living authentically before him just as you are. Because like Mr. Rogers says, he likes you as you are. He created you. He doesn't just tolerate you or put up with you. He delights in every fiber that he's created you to be. He thought you up. Every molecule, every strand of DNA in your body, he likes you as you are. That's why we say it doesn't matter what our faith looks like. It matters what it is. And because every time we fake it and we're not authentic, we make God's love for us look fake too. He wants us to become love. Next, hoping isn't helping. Hoping isn't helping if you're taking notes. Hoping isn't helping. Hoping to be something doesn't mean we actually are that thing. Idealizing our lives, posing as someone we aren't yet. What does this mean? In the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we're really quick to throw the book at Ananias because God judged him and he, sh- he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have held back money for himself. 
Yeah, he got what he deserved. Super quick, aren't we? Super quick. How sad it is that we discard people who are just like us. Can we just see for a second? Can we just press pause for a minute and see that we are just like Ananias? And could it be, could it be that Ananias' motivations, Ananias' heart was good on Monday when he was in worship and he was all for the kingdom, the church is blowing up, the church... Number God is adding to their number daily. Ananias is worshiping the ascended Jesus. Ananias together with Sapphira. And they're worshiping together. They're worshiping their guts out. Lord, let your kingdom come. They didn't think it would be that long till Jesus came back. I'll, we worship you. Come, let your kingdom come. I'll give you anything. I know. I've got an extra piece of property. Do you want that? You can have it all. On Monday, he's in worship. You can have it all, Lord. If we look at the story, it, it amazes me. How often do you see people in our world, in our city, come on Cleveland, how often do we see people give away extra pieces of property for the kingdom of God? Uh, never. This is, Ananias on Monday is committing to extreme generosity. You got to remember, a piece of property in first century Judaism This is like his life. This piece of property has probably been in in his family for decades, if not, not, you know, centuries. And he's saying, all for you, Jesus. Worshiping, all for you on Monday. But aren't we just like Ananias? What we say on Monday, then it's Wednesday. And Ananias is like, rent is due. Well, I know I said all of it, but rent is due. And I've got these needs. And, you know, 75% of the profit, that's like over half. I'm still giving more to Jesus than what I'm keeping. So Wednesday, 75, 25. And what was 75, 25 on Wednesday then becomes 50-50 by Friday. This is Ananias. Could, could this be? I know we're reading a little bit into the text. I just want us to hold the book, to not throw the book at Ananias quite so severely. Because his motivation, his heart might have been good on Monday. And how many things do we start on Monday fully committed to? For the kingdom of God, yes, all for you, Jesus. By Friday, nothing's left. Hoping isn't helping. Posing as someone we aren't yet. Every time we pass ourselves off in front of people, like we are at a different place than we actually are, we end up back at the wax museum. Posing, looking like an idealized version of ourselves and not who we truly are. Why is this unhealthy for us? This posing, this idealization of who we wish to become. 
who we think we ought to be. Why is this unhealthy for us? What does that mean? Because it's not really living. It's not really living. And it's coming short of the design and destiny that God has for us as individuals. When we idealize ourselves and present a version of ourselves that is inaccurate to who we actually are in the moment, we sell the design and destiny of who Jesus created us to be short. We'll never walk in the, comp- in the complete freedom of who we are if we're presenting an idealized version of ourselves. We'll break it down a little bit more. In Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, he's in chains, by the way. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And again, in Colossians 1, 9, and 10, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for me. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Do you know, four fingers back at myself, do you know that you can, with the Holy Spirit, live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? That is pleasing before God? Meaning, when He looks at you, when He sees you, He says, just as He spoke over Jesus, this is my Son, This is my daughter in whom, not for the things that you do, not for the things that you do around church for how you serve, but who you are. Before Jesus did one miracle, the Father speaks over him, I'm pleased with you, pleased with you. You're not in trouble with God. You're not in the doghouse with God. You are not... um, in banishment from God. You're not alone. He's pleased in who you are. And that's so difficult to receive sometimes. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to receive that over our life. Yes, Father, you are pleased with me. And the enemy is a liar. The enemy is a liar because he'll come in and he'll say, look at you. God is not pleased with you. Look at what you did. Look at what you didn't do. Isn't he so clever? But he's a liar. The truth, reality this morning is that no matter what you've done or left undone, the Father is pleased in who you are. That's the truth. Well, what about this? You don't see all of the drugs that I've done in my past. That I'm, you don't see the addiction that I'm enslaved to. It doesn't matter. Jesus says all, the, all of that stuff doesn't matter. I love you the way that you are right where you're at. I'm pleased in you. I'm pleased with you. Yeah. Hoping isn't helping, this idealized version of ourselves, because when we choose to wear masks, when we choose to put the mask on and give people, I'm doing fine, 
When we do this, we block the fulfillment of God's promises into our life. Bank on it. Am I saying that God is any less powerful? No. God is not limited by anything. He's all-powerful, yes? But when we pick up the mask and we put the mask on, he can't, he can't fulfill. Definitely not now. It's the most important part. When we choose to pick up the mask, and sometimes it's so subtle, we wear these masks because we're so accustomed to putting them on day after day, year after year. We don't even know we're wearing them. Just put them on, put them on, put them on. Advertising tells me I need something. I didn't know I needed that. I need that. I need a bigger house. I need a better car. I need a better family. I need a better wife. You know, where does it stop? The masks, the masks, the masks. Put the mask on. When we do that, we limit the fulfillment of God's promises into our lives. Not because he's any less powerful, but because he doesn't want to give his promises to the masked version of yourself. He's like, I don't want Batman. I want Bruce Wayne. My promises for you weren't designed for the masked version of yourself. They were designed for you to step into. So he can't give, he's like, I don't want to give them to that person. I didn't create that person. I didn't form that person. I didn't knit that person in their mother's womb. I want you. I know you. I want to fulfill my promises in you. Evan, put down the mask. I want to fulfill my promises in you. Because I love you. Now is it making sense in whom the Father is well pleased? All of the promise of Jesus, not because of the things that he did, although the things that he did saved humanity, but for who he is, who he was as a person, as God's son. So So much like sonship in that. When we drop the mask, The promises of God are fulfilled in our lives only when we drop the masks. Not the person we idealize ourselves to be, not the person we were, but the new creature, the new creation you, he desires. And lastly, um, people who are becoming love keep it real about who they are right now. We keep it real, y'all, about who we are right now. And at the same time, we live in constant anticipation about who God is helping us become. There's this like bringing together of two worlds. worlds. There's this great quote by G.K. Chesterton. He says this. He says, the church is the one thing that saves a man from the degrading servitude of being a child of his time. Let me say it again. Listen to this. Beautiful. The church is the one thing, the one thing that saves a man or woman from the degrading slavery of being a child of his time. This is why being transparent and living authentically matters to God a lot. Because he knows 
that it's going to bring us freedom when we do it. When we choose to put down the mask, when we choose to live authentically before God, this is who, by the grace of God, I am. No more, no less. God's designed you to work this way. That when we choose to do this, we're going to feel more free. We're going to experience increasing freedom. As we live authentically before God in our trials, in our joys, as we live authentically before others, he fulfills his promises over our lives and releases those into our story. We step into increasing freedom. The more we choose to lose the mask and step into the authenticity of who we are right now with feet headed in the direction of where Jesus is. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus beautiful? Isn't he so faithful? Isn't he the friend who sticks closer than a brother? Isn't he the the best friend in all of the world. Isn't, doesn't, isn't his church amazing? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't the church amazing? Isn't, um, isn't God such a beautiful father who never leaves us, never forsakes us? Isn't Jesus wonderful? You see, all of the things that we idealize ourselves to be are found in Jesus. We want, we want to post it on Instagram or Facebook and look beautiful and our kids to look shiny. All of the things that we crave, all of the affirmation that we need is found in Jesus. Amen. We need Jesus. Jesus remakes us. Jesus rewrites our story. Jesus makes us beautiful. Jesus trades sorrow for joy. Jesus rebuilds our lives. It's found in Jesus. Every single thing that we're looking to present ourselves as the idealized version of ourselves, we find only in Jesus. You can find those things this morning. You can find them in Jesus. They're not just pie in the sky. They're not just like out there like, oh, I wish that I could see myself as worthy of love or I could not condemn myself any longer. I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to do that anymore. You can have that. You can have that. I want to feel forgiven. I want to feel washed. I want to feel clean. You can have it. I can have it this morning. All that I can handle and more, more than you could ask or imagine. All of those things we idealize ourselves to be, all of those ways we present ourselves to be in front of others, you can have those things in Jesus. In Jesus. Then you'll shine. Then you'll shine. Yeah. He's the one. He's the one you're looking for. He's the one I'm looking for. He's the only one who can fill those longings that are deep within us. He's the only one. What does it mean to live a life worthy of the calling we've received? That's really theological jargon. Live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Are you talking about missionary calling? Or are you talking about calling to be a pastor? What, are you, what kind of calling are you talking about? Live a life worthy of a calling you've received. It means that we don't have to be, this is what Paul would say if he were standing before you writing the same thing. He would say that you don't have to be a shiny Instagram person. 
In a world where everyone is clamoring to be seen and to be heard, all of the noise, you can rest. <sighs> it's exhausting. It's exhaust. Facebook is exhausting. Aren't you exhausted? Facebook is a 500 pound gorilla on your neck. I gotta be this way. My kids have to be shiny perfect. And in the same sense, we don't have to go to the other extreme and say, you know, no Facebook for me. Oh, that's fine for you. I'm not on that. I'm socially elite. Right? We can just be, we can drop, who, drop the mask and just be who we are and rest in that. We just be at rest in that. Be at rest in that. We can do that. What can we rest in? We can rest in being seen by Jesus, by being heard by Jesus, that he sees us. And if he sees us, if he hears us, that's enough. If we have his attention, and you do, that's enough. You don't need your daily like quota to be filled up. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Daily like quota. We're all the same, you and me. We can rest in being seen and being heard and being loved and being accepted by Jesus. And we also don't have to shrink back from who he's made us to be. We don't have to hide in the shadows. We can show our dents and our scars and our bruises and bumps and warts. And we can show off the good that God has done inside of us that we, in, in humility that we are a part of God's good story, that you are walking God's good story. You're walking around displaying the goodness of God. You can let, as we sang, you can let your little light shine. It's okay. You don't have to hang out in the shadows of false humility any longer. You don't have to say, oh, it's all Jesus. It's not, it's not me. None of it's me. It's all Jesus. Stop it. Stop doing that. You sound like a religious nut. It's all Jesus. Yeah, we, we know. It's not about you. We know. Oh, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Yeah, we get it. But you're... Don't say anything good about me. Why do we do that? Stop saying good things about me. Ah! It's so perverted. We only take in the bad things. You're so kind. Oh, Jesus! You're an idiot. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, right? Tell me more. Is any of this connecting? Man, you, you have so much of the Lord's compassion. Stop. Stop saying those nice things about me. 
Yeah, people who are becoming love are comfortable with honor. People who are becoming love recognize, yeah, they get it's not all about them, but it's Christ in them, the hope of glory. And so if somebody says, hey, you're one of the most kind people I've ever met in my life. You're one of the most compassionate people I've ever met in my life. They can say, thanks, man. Just say, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. You, you could even go a step further. You want to go a step further and say, thanks, man. Why do you think that about me? Tell me more about that. Are you comfortable enough in who you are and who Jesus is shaping you to be that when someone pays you a compliment about the good stuff that they see Jesus doing in your life, that you're able to say, thanks, man. Tell me more about what you see in me. Tell me more about what you see inside there. Yeah, so this summer, that's the challenge. What God's saying to Vineyard Cleveland is that he wants for us to step into the vision that he has for us as a community and bringing life to those around us. He wants us for us to sync up what we're saying and what we're actually doing. You know when filmmakers are making a movie and you see like the, the one person with the chalkboard thing and they go clap like that? The per, that person's job is for the audio engineers later in editing so that what's being said on the audio can be synced up with what is being acted in the motions and the sounds and the speaking parts so that those things are in sync. This is the picture of how God wants our life to look like, that our words would sync up with the action that's happening in our lives. Yeah, living a life worthy of the calling we've received to bring life to our city. Because the world will know what we really believe by seeing who we authentically love. So let's do it. Let's lose the wax. Let's stop faking it. Let's sink, sink it up and just go be you. And it's like super simplistic, like close to a sermon. It's not theologically deep or anything. Go be you. It is what it is. It matters what your faith is, not what it looks like. Sarah's going to lead us in worship. And I think that there's something that the Lord would speak over us today. I just felt the room shift a little bit when... Um, Mr. Rogers was singing over us. I think, that the, I think that there's something that God wants to say to us in that. Would you join me in standing? And we're going to do some ministry together.